Acts chapter 15. While you're turning there, how many of you would consider yourself a traditionalist? Anybody? We got one person. Of the whole congregation, one person. All right, you got two. Let's ask the question again. How many of you would consider yourself a traditionalist? Raise your hand. All right. Mostly older people. Older people. Not old people. Older people. Okay, so that very... Actually, I, I would put myself in that. I am somewhat of a traditionalist. I like traditions. Uh, a traditionalist is usually someone that likes things to stay the same. They don't like change. They don't want to uh, have anything change around them. They like just the same old, same old. So I am like that. I am very comfortable when things stay the same. For instance, I don't know if anybody else notices this, but when I have to do something different up here, like leading singing or um, doing a baby dedication or communion, I'm very uncomfortable. Very much so. I don't know if anybody else sees that. Their sweat beads just dripping down. It's terrible. I hate that. I hate doing something different. I'm very comfortable in my traditions. However, on the same token, I do like change. I do enjoy when my phone gets an update and there's all kinds of new things on there. I enjoy that. I enjoy exploring new change as long as it somewhat keeps me inside of my comfort zone, my tradition. Every year for Christmas... Beth and I for, oh my goodness, probably since we've been married. Since we've been married, our tradition was we would go to her parents uh, for Christmas Day and then for Boxing Day and usually we would leave sometime in the afternoon of the day after on the 27th. Then we would travel down to our house here in St. Thomas. We'd stay here for maybe an hour, drop off all the gifts that grandparents gave to the kids, unload the car, reload the car with presents, and then we would go down to Michigan and spend four or five days there in Michigan. That was, that's our tradition. That's what we did every year. However, I enjoyed that very much so. I enjoyed, and we didn't do anything special. We didn't do anything great. We just kind of hung out at each parent's house and just spent the time there and played games and just enjoyed each other's company. I enjoyed that. My wife last year came to me and said, let's do something different for Christmas. Ugh. So for the last nine years, I guess, we've been doing this. And then she comes to me and says, let's do something different. Let's just take some time for our family. I'm like, well, that's a dumb idea. Who would ever want to just do that? And I, remember, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. And so I think, man, this is, I don't know if I want to do this. So she, she presented it to me pretty early. And then Christmas is getting closer, and she says, well, what do you think about my idea? And we begin to go through this process, and I, I'm like, okay. So then now I have to now present that to our families. And my family is somewhat of a traditionalist, and they like things the same. And so there, we tell uh, them, and they, they're, you know, they're good with it. They think, you know, hey, listen, you need to establish your own traditions as your own family, and you need to become your own family and do these things. And we stayed home. We did absolutely nothing. We stayed home for like a week and did nothing. We, I think we went out once or something like that, opened the door, something like that, let a little bit of fresh air in. <laughs> something like that, I can't remember. But anyway... That honestly, this is the dead honest truth. I love my family and I love just being with them. But there was something missing when we didn't travel to other people's places. My tradition was being upset. 
My, what I wanted to do was being upset. And now this year, we're going like way crazy. We're planning on taking a trip to Chicago in the middle of this, or late December. I'm not sure why this is a good idea. But nonetheless, this is, this is something that we're going to try this year. We're getting outside of tradition. But these decisions, for me especially, these decisions are not made just haphazardly. When we've got a tradition set, when we've got something going on, it's very difficult for me just to, okay, let's just get rid of that. It took her a long time to wear me down and say, listen, this is what we need to do. It took her a long time. It was really hard for me to depart from tradition. But our story here in Acts chapter 15 has something to do with all of this. It shows us a few things about tradition. And it shows us that a much more important decision has to be made here. Look at Acts chapter 15 and look at verse 1. The Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the, hello, Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. I want to preach you a message I've entitled, Departing from Tradition. Departing from Tradition. So all of you who just raised your hand a few seconds ago are just going, we don't like this already. Departing from Tradition. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us, for allowing us to be here. And I pray that you would help us learn something from your word tonight, and that we'd be open to what your word has to say And I just pray that your will will be done here tonight. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much that we get to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's pretty obvious the issue that's going on here. The Jewish teachers that came down thought it necessary to teach that the Gentile believers must be circumcised. Paul and Barnabas, pretty obviously, there, I mean, verse 2 says, and there was no, had no small dissension and disputation. That means it was big. When it's not small, it means it's big. So there's this big rift. There's this big problem with all of this going on. They had an issue. Paul, we, know, we understand, Paul was a Jew of the Jews. So he probably was not personally taking this thing, but it was something that the Gentile believers uh, did not have to partake in. And he knew it. So let's think about traditions as we hold to traditions. You see, there's all kinds of traditions in our church. How we run our service. is I like it. Don't mess with the, don't mess with the flow of the service. I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy how it goes. In fact, that's what scares me so much about having Nathan lead singing. Is sometimes he disrupts my tradition. I like it the way it is. He does a great job. I'm glad he does it. But that's, that's what happens. I like the order of our service. I like the things that we do. I like how our church runs. I like things. I like things in tradition. Listen, there's all kinds of things. And you can think of things. And I just want you to pick something out in your brain. 
that says this is a tradition and I love it and I want to hold on to it. It doesn't have to be from the Bible. It doesn't have to be anything. Just think about something that is a tradition. So when it comes to to traditions, how do we know what is just a tradition and what is truth? How do we know what is just a tradition and what is truth? Well, number one, I want you to ask this question. Why was it established? Why was it established? Most of you older generation know that there are things that were established for a reason. There were things done and you've done them for a reason. My generation, me, I have no idea. I have no idea why we do what we do sometimes. Just kind of go along with the flow. We do those things. And sometimes it's nice to ask, hey, why do we do that? And usually there's an answer. But nonetheless, there is something, good reason of why it was established. When we were in college, we had a rule. It was in the rule book. You could not have a lamp in your bunk. That's just, you couldn't do it. I thought, well, that's the stupidest rule I've ever heard. Until I got in my bed one night and I looked up, and right underneath my bed is this black hole. You know what happened? Somebody not so smart took their lamp and pointed it up toward the wood and left it on and almost started the fire and burnt the place down. That's why, there's a good reason for that. Maybe they should have put in the rule book, don't be a dummy and just pay attention to your light bulb. But let's take a look. Why was circumcision established? This is the issue of this matter. Why was circumcision established? Well, if you go back, it was established in the first place in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, go with me. Verse 10. Genesis 17 and verse 10. Why was it established? The Bible says this. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And this uncircumcised man, who, child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. So this was God talking to Abraham and establishing with Abraham a covenant. A covenant between God and man. This was what would show that Abraham's seed was God's people. So the Abrahamic covenant was that anybody who is circumcised in the flesh of their foreskin, those are the people. Those are the ones who are my people. In order to be considered God's people, this was the sign. Can you see how important this was? This was the sign that you were God's people. The children of Abraham are the Jewish race. And all throughout the Bible, we see that they would get away from God. They would get away from God. They would, they would be disobedient. They would do the wrong things. And they would get away from God. And the Bible says that they would relax on this point. 
They would always get lax on this and they would not perform this and they would not get this done. And then they would get right with God. And you know what the first thing that they would do? All the males would be circumcised again. It was the sign that they were God's people. So it's very important. So based on this information, this is a very important thing. So why was it established? It was established as a covenant between God and man. Number two, I want you to see, ask this question, with whom was it established? We just read that. It was through Abraham. It was established for the children of Abraham. They were God's chosen people. Everybody else outside of the Jewish race is, is considered a Gentile. So the question is this. Now that we are where we are, now that we're sitting in 2019, almost 2020, now that we're sitting here, is does this apply to the Gentiles? Does this apply to the Gentiles? Those not the seed of Abraham. Well, it did. Look back with me in Genesis chapter 17. It was applied to the Gentiles. Look at this. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, verse 12, and every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger. Do you see that? So it was established for Abraham. And anybody who wanted to come into that same promise, they had to take the token. They had to take the sign. That was what established them as God's people. It was very important. It was established for the Jew. It was also established for the Gentile that wanted to come in. So can we just write it off yet? No, we can't. So the third question that you need to ask is very simply this. Is it still relevant? Now, this is a very dangerous question. Because what your definition of relevance is determines if it is still relevant or not. I want you to write this down. Truth does not follow culture. Let me say that again. Truth does not follow culture. Truth does not follow culture. Truth transcends time. Truth just does what truth does. Truth is what truth is. Culture does not dictate what truth is. So therefore, you cannot ask, is it relevant to my culture? You need to ask, is it relevant or does it depart from the truth? Does it apply to me? Go to Matthew chapter 26. Before all of you go to sleep, I'm getting somewhere with all of this. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Verse 28. Actually, look at verse 27. The Bible says this, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. Verse 28 is the key here. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Do you see what just happened? God, Jesus, just washed away, took away that old covenant 
He just said, no longer are we under the Abrahamic covenant in the Jewish line. No longer are we under that. We're under a new covenant. Did anybody notice what the token or the sign of that covenant was? Look again. Look at verse 28. For this is my blood. You see, anybody who wants to take and be a part of God's family, be one of God's children, instead of before they had to be circumcised, you know what they have to do now? have to be washed under the blood. They have to have the blood applied to them. That's the token of the New Testament, the new covenant. So is it still relevant for Paul and Barnabas and the Gentile believers to be circumcised? No, it's not. It just so happens that the death of Jesus Christ brought in a new covenant. The New Testament did away with the dealings of God in Israel and directly place them upon each individual and their decision to ask Jesus Christ and accept him as their personal savior. So now circumcision has literally become a Jewish tradition. No longer is it anything outside of that. It is just a Jewish tradition. It is not something that can be passed on to the Gentiles during this time. So Paul and Barnabas are correct. Don't you love it when somebody tells you you're right? I love it. It doesn't happen very often. But I love it. And so Paul and Barnabas are right. They're correct. They've said they've, they've had a great disputation. They said, no, this is not right. Let me prove it to you. And they went back and they established for who it was and, and why it was established and for whom it was established. And then they said, is it relevant for us? No, it's not. Let's look through this passage just a little bit. Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 6 again. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, again, it's, I mean, now they're, not only are they talking to the Jews here in the other place, now they come back to Jerusalem, and they're continuing this, and there's much disputing. Peter, can you believe it? Peter rises up, said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us. That the Gentiles, by my mouth, Acts chapter 10, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. You see what he's doing? He's saying the Jews... Receive this and the Gentiles as well. The Jews and still the Gentiles. The Jews and still the Gentiles. Now therefore, why tempt ye, excuse me, verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. You see, when it comes to traditions, there are some things that sometimes you just have to depart from. There are some things that you have to let go. There are some things that you just don't get to hang on to. And there's some dangers, if you will, some dangers to traditions. The first danger that I want you to see this evening is holding on to traditions. That's a danger. Holding on to traditions, you might say, if you're a traditionalist, well, what's the problem with me holding on to traditions? What's the problem with me loving them and spending time in those things? And What's the problem with me living in my tradition? Here's the point. 
There's no problem with you living your tradition. Here's the problem. The problem comes when you force your tradition on someone else. That's when the problem comes. Let's look at our passage again. Look down through here with me. He says in verse 10, Peter says this, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Listen, you're putting something on them that they have no business bearing. We can't bear it. Our fathers couldn't bear it. Nobody can bear that. Why are we putting a yoke? I love the terminology he uses. Why are we strapping them down? Why are we withholding them? Why are we pulling them down with these things? Pay attention now. Sometimes traditions can strap you and pull you down for absolutely no reason. Absolutely not. Absolutely no reason. No reason for them to go through this. But notice what he says here in verse 11. He says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. That point in and of itself is so important, because I want you to go back to verse 1. Look at verse 5, chapter 15 and verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Here it is. Ye cannot be saved. You see, you see what happened? They just took the grace of God and they pushed it aside and said, here's the work that you have to do in order to be saved. That's what, I'm, hear me now. And don't you... Be holier than thou and say you don't do this. When we hold to our traditions that tightly, that's exactly what we're saying. How dare they do that? I mean, you can't be godly and do that. I mean, that's not the way I grew up. That, that's not how I was taught. And listen, that's exactly what the Jews are doing right here. The Jews are like, you listen. It has been our experience that you cannot be one of God's people without this, this token, without this sign. And you know what that's, that caused? Great disputation. Great dissension. Caused a great deal of problems because these Jewish men were trying to force their tradition on someone else. You can all put yourself in any situation when somebody has tried to force a tradition on you. It's not fun. That's what I hated about school. <laughs> Felt like the teachers were trying to force me into something that I didn't want to be in. I remember I went to a Christian school. There was one, one point where I thought, I am done. I am not coming back to this school. And it was over something really stupid and simple. Excuse my language. The rule became that all the boys had to have visible comb marks in their hair. <laughs> visible comb marks. I looked at every one of my teachers. Guess what they had? Visible comb marks in their hair. They were all older. So I leaned over to my buddy and I said, I'll just shave my head then. 
terrible attitude. But listen, I didn't like that. They're forcing what they like their hair to be on me. You can look at my hair. There's no visible comb marks there. And this is how it's been since I was probably 12 years old. Nobody likes that. And the problem is we take our tradition and we make it as if it's doctrine. We make it as if it's something that absolutely has to be. These people were like, no, you cannot be saved unless you are circumcised. I've heard this over and over and over from religious people in the 21st century. The same, this almost the same wording. You cannot do that. You cannot be a godly Christian and do that. You cannot this or that. It, it's, it's so petty. It's so wrong. It's so traditionalist. Listen, there's a danger in holding on to traditions. Notice with me, though, in verse 19, that the Jewish leaders did not force the Gentile disciples to get circumcised. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, wherefore my sentence is, this is James speaking, that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. He says, listen, guys, this is my sentence. We're not going to do that. We're not going to force them into something. We're not going to put a yoke around them. We're not going to hold to a tradition and force it on someone else. We're not going to do that. I want to show you the second one, the second danger. Here's the second danger, holding on to nothing. Holding to nothing. Again, we understand now through this passage that circumcision was nothing. Wasn't, didn't need to be done. It wasn't necessary. But I want you to notice what still was necessary. Look with me in verse 20. James again speaking. We don't want to hold them to this, but verse 20. But that we write unto them that they, number one, abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Do you know that all four of those things are Jewish traditions? All four of them are. But here's what you need to know is that those were good and right things. And those were biblical things found in the New Testament. In the new covenant, a lot of times people that are not traditionalists, people that like change, you know what they like to do? They like to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hear me now. It's so easy to say, well, that was wrong. We don't have to do that anymore. I guess that means we don't have to do anything. That's not right either. That's a danger. I have family, I have friends that have done just that pretty rough circumstance the pastor that was leading the church committed suicide sinned a great deal beforehand and it was all found out and you know what people were saying well I guess he was wrong and he was our leader let's go do something else let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hey, that tradition, you know, that tradition that we've always had in a Baptist church, that, you know, every Baptist church, they have that. That's not exactly right. I guess we'll just throw Baptist church right out the window. Hey, you know that, that thing about uh, soul winning and evangelism, that, we, you know, we probably shouldn't be that rude and that rough and that pointed anymore. Well, I guess we better just not evangelize anymore. 
You see, sometimes we get this idea that we can take a tradition and say, well, it's not really biblically sound. Well, that must mean all the things that that person said are incorrect. Because one thing doesn't apply to us. That must mean all of these things don't apply. That's so incorrect. It's so, so not right. Each of these things must be put through the same gamut of tests. Ask yourself the same question. The fact of the matter is this, that in the new covenant, there are many things that are repeated from the covenant before. God reinstated them and said, listen, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are some things that God still wants us to do. Let's wrap this up a little bit. Let's bring it to a close. There are times in our lives when we have to make decisions about traditions. We have to make decisions about our feelings we have to decide if we're going to leave them and follow something else or if we're going to hang on to them. It's in those times that we have to have something to run to. Here in the book of Acts, I can't imagine what it must have been like. There was times were changing. All they had written down for them was the Old Testament. Times were changing. Jesus comes in, this man, and he says, I'm giving you a new covenant, and I'm going to give you something that you've never heard of before. And Paul begins to really preach that, and uh, uh, Peter preaches to Cornelius, and Cornelius gets saved. And all of these things are transitioning and happening, and they have to make decisions on these little tiny things without any real direction other than the direction of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we have the word of God. We have the entire new covenant, everything that God ever wanted to an old man, right here. And so when it comes to to tradition, and when you think, man, there's just some things that I want to do, and we've never done them before, and maybe it's because there's, you know, a good reason, but I just don't know if it applies to me. Listen, go to the Word of God, find out why it was established. Go to the Word of God and see if it's good or right or if it's wrong. You might say, listen, I want to hold on to a tradition. I challenge you to do the same thing. Go to the word of God. See if it's something worth holding on to. See if it's doctrine. See if God wants you to have that. In the word of God, it contains all of the requirements. Contains everything God wants us to know. It describes how we should live our lives. We need to run to God's word every time. It's the age-old adage, truth versus tradition truth versus tradition listen trends are going to come and trends are going to go but the truth of the word of God stands it continues and that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas and Peter and James that's what every one of them come to the conclusion listen that's not for us at this time let's move on And let's keep winning people to Christ. And you see Paul and Barnabas and Silas coming. They begin winning people to Christ and winning people to Christ. And if you pay any attention at all, you take a look at the book of Galatians. Paul deals with this. And says, listen, this is not for us. We were were under the schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster. But we are no longer under that schoolmaster. Go to the word of God. Because often, like the Pharisees, you can make the commandments of God of none effect by your tradition. There's something far more important than what you want. There's something far more important than your comfort. There's something far more important than your opinion. 
And that's the word of God. Can I just challenge you very, very simply? I know we hear this kind of stuff all the time, but listen. Can we just be people of the word of God? Can we just dig into it? Young, old, changer, or traditionalist. Doesn't matter who it is. Let's just be people of the word of God. Listen, if it's in there, great, let's follow it. If it's not in there, let's figure out how best to do it. Let's just follow the word of God. And if we can unite around that, God's will will continue to go forth. Listen, if they would have continued in dissension over this, it would have split them up, it would have broken them, it would have splintered them, and God's will would not have been done. Listen, we need to be unified around God's word. I believe in all, everything that's done in this church, this is the most important thing. So as we move forward, let's pay attention. Truth versus tradition, and sometimes we just need to depart from tradition when it's yoking us or holding us back.